It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's take a closer look at the quarterback. Okay, Dan, so each week we're going to look at Justin Fields and kind of zoom in on some of the specifics and some of the things that he – little things that mean a lot in his direction and his development because we all know what's at stake there. Defining moment from last night. Overall, generally describe what you saw and then what was his defining moment to you. Well, overall, we saw half as many snaps as we saw the previous week, right? Nine snaps for that first unit offense before Cairo Santos came out and kicked the field goal. And yes, Cairo Santos coming on the field is a bright sign for the offense, right? You get points, right? You want to get points out of a drive. They did out of the opening possession. The defining moment for me, David, was the first play from scrimmage. And it's a tight end screen, well-designed play, well-executed play to Cole Komet. The reason that I think that this is significant to me is that Cole Komet, in my mind, you've heard me talk about my arrow up on where I think Cole Komet's third season can go. He can be one of Justin Fields' best friends in 2022, particularly with the instability of the receiving core and the fact that that basically Justin has Darnell Mooney and no one else in that receiving core that he really feels in sync with. So now, if Justin can get that vibe with Cole Komet, if Luke Getze can understand how Cole Komet can be utilized to the greatest uh, strengths that he has, now all of a sudden you unlock another weapon in your offense that can take you places. Cole Komet takes a, a, a screen pass behind the line of scrimmage, gets hit you know, four yards behind the line of scrimmage, and keeps bowling for eight more yards. 12 yards, first down, Game, you know, that, that's a tone setting play for an offense to get an opening drive started. For me, that's the, the defining moment just because of what it means for who Cole is, for who Cole is with Justin, for who Cole is with Justin and Luke combined. Yeah, because as you know, a tight end can help a quarterback develop as much as a number one wide receiver can. We spend oh, so much time in Chicago clamoring over the lack of weapons when you have a guy like Cole Komet, what he's capable of doing, and you see a play like that or two plays like that last night it does encourage you for justin fields because he's going to need some help it's not just his his own skill set but you need to take you know and utilize those talents and i think that was a good sign so i think my defining moment is similar but it's more uh, the it's more related to the the play that was called and the design of the play that was called in the 19 yard completion yeah i love justin fields on the move i think that's when you know he's feeling it. And that's when you can see him getting into a rhythm. Uh, we don't have a lot to judge by, but I think everyone can understand the value in making this quarterback who has all this athleticism more mobile. And he just seems more comfortable doing so. And I like the way he turned his shoulders and I like the way he delivered the pass. So to me, that is the one play. And I know it was only one play. He only played nine. Heck, yeah, right. <laughs> that, that was as defining as anything because of the play design from Luke Getze because of the way that Justin Fields 
executed it. And frankly, who he was throwing to was significant as well. Well, David, that's a that's a play fake and a short roll to the left. And there were things that Justin Fields showed as a rookie and his ability to go to his left and throw, even without being fully set. The the, the lower body mechanics and and the agility and, and the athleticism to make some of those throws while going to your left, that was evident on that play. And a, a dart to commit, another 19-yard pickup, a first down. I think that was their second longest play from scrimmage offensively for the entire game on Thursday night. So that's a positive sign. But seeing Justin get on the move and, and be able to be comfortable and and whether he sets or he's just kind of set and still has that ability to make those throws to the target, those are big signs. And, and, and hopefully they can unlock more of that. What else on the bright side? Well, we saw some protection leakage, but there were zero sacks, right? And so that's an indicator that, that the Bears can get around some of the inevitable protection issues that are going to exist this season. And so that's a step in the right direction for, for your quarterback to not be on the ground a bunch on that opening drive. Again, it's only nine snaps. If he played 60, maybe he gets sacked four or five times and we're having a different conversation here. But I do think that Justin has to find an ability to use his uh, mobility to his, his strengths and his advantages. And that Luke has to be in tune with a, how much protection do we need to a lot, right. And, and, and keep at home to make things happen. And B, how can we, you know, take some shots, understanding that our quarterback has a weapon in his toolbox with his mobility that may allow us to keep one less guy in and send another guy out in a pattern because you expect that your, your quarterback with his athleticism can escape, be elusive and make a throw. So no sacks to me was another thing to highlight. OK, as we break this into categories, my on the bright side would be the 10th play. And I know you're thinking, oh, geez, you only <laughs> played nine. No, the 10th play, because. They drew off the Seahawks. Uh, they drew them off sides. And I do wonder this, and I, I didn't have – not going to pretend I was ha- having a chance to ask about this after the game. I wasn't at the game, but I am curious, Dan, because when I hear Tom Thayer, I think he told us on the Mullinghaw show last week about how the Bears have toyed around or emphasized Luke Getze has using the cadence as a weapon. You, we, we see in Green Bay yeah. three years – it's not necessarily just Aaron Rodgers, but I think it's a point of emphasis there. You can use your cadence and snap count, and it's all about your quarterback's inflection and the way that he learns how to draw teams and defenses offsides. Number one, it can keep drives alive like it did on fourth down. And number two, it can get you the benefit of a free play every now and then, which we have seen Rodgers take advantage of. And when you're a young quarterback, sometimes I think that would give you an opportunity to let it fly to let it roll and to, you know, I'm in Vegas to take a risk, and, <laughs> you know, roll the bones a little bit. And I think that was what I, when I saw that, I'm like, okay, I wonder what was behind that. I wonder how he did that. And I, and I wonder if there's more to come. Well, I can tell you that last year's coaching staff really, really wanted to get to a lot more with their cadences with Justin. And they just couldn't because it was a rookie who was, you know, shuffling through training camp as the backup who was starting and then he wasn't starting and then he was starting again and he was hurt. And there was all these uh, iterations to Justin's rookie season that didn't allow them to get the evolution that they hoped for in that department. Well, now Justin's in year two and sure he's learning a new offense and a new system. He's got a lot on his plate, but I think that he can handle a little bit more. And so Luke Getzey is willing to push that envelope a little bit. 
because of what you just said, understanding that we can do things now that, that keep a defense honest. We can do things now that potentially buy us a first down or a free play that allows us to take a shot with a guy who throws a really pretty deep ball. And hopefully the Bears can unlock more of that going forward. That's a small moment in a game in August, but it's a big moment if it foreshadows something, right? And, and it tells us that, that there's something there that the Bears can get going. Now, again, is the Seahawks probably a little bit antsy on that fourth and one play and jumped, uh, it made a mistake that, that we're so used to Bears teams in the last few years making and the Seahawks made it and, and you got an extension of the drive on it. But yeah, I think there's a, that's a, a really subtle storyline that's worth keeping track on as we get into the, 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 the months of the regular season. All right, let's go through the next two categories, the strength and your uh-oh moment. So my uh-oh moment's really easy for me because it goes back to something that we're going to talk about in the uh-oh category a lot. It's Justin Fields scrambling. It's Justin Fields' ball security. And so he gets out on a third and three play when there's a uh, a, a rusher that gets free and, and, and beats his man up front and, and clutters the pocket. And Justin's got to take off quickly. Well, Justin takes off quickly and he goes to dive and he comes up pretty short of the line to gain, but still tries to extend the ball and the ball comes out. Now he was down and it wasn't a fumble, but for a guy who fumbled 12 times as a rookie, for a guy who was turning the ball over and has had ball security stressed to him, who has been told you have to have situational awareness. You have to know where you're on the field. If you're going to extend that ball out with your hand and take a chance, that was a play where you say, "Uh Oh, and again, we talked last week about the slide that put him in, in harm's way. Right. And, and, and the understanding of, when to scramble, how to scramble, when to get down, how to get down. These are still things that aren't aren't naturally uh, fluid for Justin at this point. He's got to get better in that that department. He's got to prioritize ball security, and he got away with one Thursday night. But I promise you, in those meetings at Hallis Hall, that they're going to bring that uh, that sequence up on video three or four times and just remind him: got to take care of the ball, particularly if you're a full yard short of the line of game. I think you're right. If that's my oh moment as well, because you cannot be a quarterback whose strength is his mobility when you have such a problem with ball security. You just can't. And that's going to limit him, and it's going to limit the offense. So by definite, by extension, it's going to limit him and his ability or his opportunities to make plays. So that was the one that stood out. There's no doubt about it. Um, I'll start with the strength. I think strength overall was just the, the – you see things that – Again, on that rollout and just the command, it's coming. It's coming. It's it's a small sample size. But I think that you you said early on that you need to see in training camp examples beyond command and, and brilliant plays. And you want the Bears, you know, social media team to be tweeting out yeah. examples from practice. And you know what? The, the, those, I think, are gradually coming. But I think last night we saw more of the command and ownership of that offense that you need to see. And I think that – shouldn't be ignored just because we we need to see more you can't take those things for granted uh, obviously i think the bears boarded the plane home with a little better feeling because of the three points that were on the scoreboard but again i go back to the three points on four drives and that's got to be uh greater right There's, they have to be more productive and that's why i i just lean in the direction of you need to get fields in this first unit offense some work in cleveland david because if you don't you're going into the regular season without any sort of momentum any so- sort of of chemistry i understand the risks of playing them but i really do think that this group and justin in particular need to build something you need to see a few more 
completions to receivers who are going to matter during the regular season. You know, you need to see that your offensive line can hold up a little bit before just going and playing the 49ers and saying, all right, good luck, guys. I hope, hope it goes well today, right? So hopefully uh, those three points lead to discussions where the Bears coaching staff says, yeah, we'd like to get a lot more out of this and let's try to squeeze a little bit more out of that Browns game before we fully uh, immerse ourselves in regular season prep. So what was your big number? That was it. The three, the three points, right? Like it's, it's big. It's big for two reasons, right? It's big because they scored and it's big because they haven't scored enough in these first two games. And so uh, that hopefully is a step in the right direction. Yours is three. Mine's 19. The length yeah. of the completion of Colt Komet. I know that in Chicago, we will spend every waking hour until the next opportunity to break down each of those 19 yards <laughs> and the pass route we will dissect. But you know what? They didn't give us a whole lot to look at and I think you have to feel good about that and build some momentum so that would be uh, to me uh, a big enough number to to focus on because it is a positive all right it's time to give away some game balls you first all right um I'm going to steer away from Cole because we've talked about Cole so much here in, in the first couple of segments. So, so Cole gets a, you know, he gets his, his, his recognition in front of the team in the huddle, but I'm giving my first game ball to Valus Jones. Valus Jones is a guy that we've talked about has to help this team as a rookie. Hopefully that's with a significant role on offense. Absolutely. It has to be with a significant role on special teams because that's a big reason they drafted him on day two. And so you see him, Bust that punt return in the first half on Thursday night. 48-yard gain, David, that 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 he he really showed a, a great combination of patience and decisiveness. And the decisiveness, when you have the decisiveness and then you have the accelerator that can take you into free space faster than most human beings can run, it's a big weapon. And so him getting free, getting a couple key blocks along the left sideline, turning in a 48-yard return that then gives Trevor Simeon a 33-yard field to work with. Those are the plays that a team with a thin margin for error has to make to be successful in this league. And so a 33-yard touchdown drive is a short field that your defense didn't have to set up for you with a takeaway, right? You make that play like Valus Jones did, that's the equivalent of your defense getting a sack fumble, right, and, and, and setting you up with that short field. Big deal. That's a good choice because I think we talked about where will Valus Jones make the biggest contribution, special teams or the offense. You know what? If he contributes big enough on special teams, it'll limit how much he has to contribute to the offense. Yeah. You're dealing with a short field. I like that choice. I will go with a choice. Now, I know, and I'm going to – I always want to preface this by saying, haven't broken down every snap. There might be examples that make this sound silly, but I, I look at Tevin Jenkins, and I see a guy that learned on Monday, I think it was, that he's going to be playing right guard. And three days later, two practices after that, he's in a, you know, a live setting blocking a guy in another uniform at a position he hasn't played a lot of. <laughs> And that's asking a lot. And I think the expectations are high, but they should be because of where he was drafted. And I don't think he got embarrassed. And I know it is a low bar to clear. But I wonder if last night, if if they grade the tape and they look at the film and they say, well, you know what? He wasn't bad if you just do this here and some technique things, some mental things, perhaps. The adjustment has got to be a little bit awkward having guys on either side of you rather than just – uh, a tackle at the end flank and, the, you know, blocking the blind side or whatever the case. I like the Bears if they're able to get the most out of this player because of his draft status and because of all of the attention paid him. And I don't think last night was a bad night for Tevin Jenkins. So under the circumstances, 
I will give him a game ball because of how quickly he had to learn a position that it would be great if he could master. Three great words from you there. Under the circumstances, what a weird month this has been for Tevin Jenkins from the day that he reported to training camp until now and all of the things that have happened in his world. I, you, you think about that Saturday that he uh, met with reporters for the first time in camp and how just sort of unhappy and uncomfortable he looked in, in discussing his, his current state. I'm not sure he's any more happy or comfortable right now, but he certainly has been given a, a an opportunity that he is at least digging into. And when Tevin is in that Mauler's mindset, right, and you see him move people off the football as a run blocker, you say, yeah, that's, that's the guy that was graded by a lot of people as a first-round talent in the 2021 draft. Now, can the Bears squeeze that out of him consistently? And now, can they carve out a role for him? Again, you and I, I think, are in full agreement that the, the end results of the 2022 season will not um, be judged on the win-loss record. It'll be on how much progress has been made by young potential building blocks on this team. And so you now can take a, a few more risks through that lens in in saying, okay, maybe he is going to make some mistakes at guard. Maybe he is going to have some rough moments in September and October if we choose to play him there and choose to start him there. But if he can develop at that position and become a long-term starter for us and we find guys at the tackle positions that can also start for us, now maybe we go into 2023 without as many needs to fill on the offensive line. And so certainly worth keeping an eye on beyond Thursday night and, and what went down in Seattle. But man, I, again, under the circumstances, Tevin certainly uh, had a nice night. Our budget doesn't allow to give up more than two game balls, but, uh, so maybe some signed gloves or something. I have a couple other, three other people quickly to mention. Number one, Elijah Hicks. He, you know, she. Anytime you score a touchdown and and do that in an in NFL game as a rookie, you got to point that out. Jack Sanborn again, seven tackles. I hope that he's on his way to making this roster. I sense he will be at least on the practice squad, the very minimum. So yes. I think he's got a future ahead of him, which is exciting for you know, a local guy and, and, and certainly a, a Big Ten linebacker, the kind of guy, the kind of a throwback player. And also, this is going to be a weekly public service announcement for <laughs> the, the value of backup quarterbacks who are serviceable, solid, but not spectacular. Trevor Simeon, to me, is at the right place for the Bears. He's the right guy to back up Justin Fields. He provides you protection and security and a peace of mind if something happens to Justin Fields as he's lunging for that extra yard. Yeah. Maybe gets hurt. But Trevor Simeon, again, proved something last night. I mean, we've lived this quarterback life in Chicago. We know that starters don't start every game in the regular season. There's going to come a moment where Trevor Simeon is, Simeon is suddenly sitting at that podium on a Wednesday talking to us about the upcoming game, and you're going, oh, God, Trevor's starting. It's coming. It's going to happen in 2022. So for him to, to sort of show the comfort that he has expressed – Right. Like he's talked all along that he wanted to come here because this offense uh, really feels good to him. And, and so to, to show that comfort in game action is a, a promising sign on a lower level because they're going to need him at some point this season. All right. Time for the two minute drill. The two minute drill. The two minute drill. David, yeah, you mentioned Elijah Hicks. So why don't we start there? Because the Bears steal a touchdown in the closing seconds of the first half on a muffed punt that the Seahawks muff inside their own 10-yard line. The Bears have three guys down there with a chance to, to recover it. Elijah Hicks is the guy that does get on it in the end zone. Rookie scoring a touchdown in a preseason game, big deal. But it's also, uh, to me, it was you want a clip to show in front of the team meeting uh, the next time you gather at Hallis Hall that demonstrates the entirety of the hits principle, hustle, intensity, takeaway, and situational smarts, that entire sequence had it. <laughs> good punt by Trenton Gill, good coverage, good hustle, good intensity, took the ball away, scored a touchdown. Hits! 
Yes, that's a good one. I also think that you just glossed over the name, but it's it's one that we're going to hear a lot this year, and he's done pretty well so far. Trent Gill is a is a draft pick. When it was made, you're like, what? A punter? Really? Drafts <laughs> in a punter? Going to be busy guy, but I think that they have, he's put himself in a position to be trusted because of how consistent he has been. I know it's only two games, but I like what I see. Yeah, I believe Trenton was the last. You can double check me on this. The last of their eleven picks in this class, and on day three, seven, seventh rounder. And listen, if you want to get into the minutia, Dan, Dan Bernstein was asking me about Trenton Gill uh, earlier in the week, and Cairo Santos has talked to us about Trenton Gill's athletic hands. And you want minutia of preseason <laughs> football? You talk about the holder punter's athletic hands and his ability to kind of like a catcher frame pitches, but but catch Patrick Scales' snap and get it down while he's spinning it, and 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 have have a very clean hold for Cairo Santos. Trenton Gill as a holder. I mean, man, I'm telling you, we're really going to dive deep in this podcast. That we're is talking about that. the kind of detail that Bernstein would love. Yeah. You know, that is definitely the, a Bernstein issue. The Take the North audience loves that too. So we got to give yeah, them a little bit of that kind of minutiae. 